Take your Bibles to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We've been going through the book. If you're visiting with us, thank you for being here today. Uh, just kind of bring you up to speed where we are. John has given us uh, this book, and he says, I'm writing about seven miracles, basically seven major signs in the life of Jesus that prove that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of the living God, and that believing this, you might have life. And in John chapter 11, we come to probably what is the greatest miracle proving the deity of Jesus Christ, and that is raising Lazarus from the dead. News had come to Jesus and that Lazarus was sick and Jesus tarried. He didn't come and Lazarus dies. And he tells his disciples this is happening uh, because God is going to be glorified, but ultimately it's being done so that you might believe, so that you might know who I am and that you might believe and have faith in me. Now, throughout the Gospel of John, we see that uh, Jesus is doing these miracles, and Jesus is claiming to be Christ and showing that he is the Christ, and the religious leaders of the day do not like this. They, they um, have a great deal of contention uh, with Jesus. They don't like his message. They don't like his works, and so all along the way, we see they've been looking for opportunities to kill him, but they haven't been able to do that because it hasn't been God's time up to this, but this point, but... Things are about to change. As we come to John chapter 12, we'll begin to see the preparations for the crucifixion and ultimately Christ going to the cross, being placed in the tomb, and then gloriously rising again. He will ascend to heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for you and for me. And I'm excited over the next months to, to begin really what is the last week, the last few days of the life of Jesus Christ here on earth as he goes to the cross for our sins. But before we get to chapter 12, I don't want to miss some key points here in the close of chapter 11. So if you'll look with me, John chapter 11, we'll begin reading verse 45 down to verse 57. Then many, after Lazarus dies, many are is raised again, many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen these things which Jesus did believed on him. But some of them went their ways to the Pharisees and told them what things Jesus had done. Then gathered the chief priests and the Pharisees' council and said, What do we? For this man doeth many miracles. If we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. And one of them, named Caiaphas, being the high priest that same year, said unto them, Ye know nothing at all. Nor consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and that the whole nation perish not. And this spake he not of himself, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus should die for that nation, and not for that nation only, but that also he should gather together in one the children of God that were scattered abroad. Then from that day forth they took counsel together for to put him to death. Jesus therefore walked no more openly among the Jews, but went thence unto a country near to the wilderness, into a city called Ephraim, and there continued with his disciples. And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye, that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given com a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it, 
that they might take him. Father, we do thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray as we look at this passage of scripture today, we would be challenged in our life today, understanding that your plan was coming to fruition. And Lord, that you've given us this information, this truth, so that we might believe on Jesus Christ and receive eternal life. And it's in his name we pray, amen. One of the interesting things about, um, about reading through these verses over the last few weeks was it just hit me, I mean, that, you know, we see the, the handiwork of God on this world and that God's plan and his sovereignty is now coming to, to fruition. And so our first point today is I want to reiterate to you God's plan um, for really our salvation. He's been working throughout history. You can go back to Genesis chapter 3, and there in Genesis chapter 3, we see that God has a plan, and that plan will unfold. And you can go all the way to Galatians chapter 4, and it says in the, in the fullness of time that God sent his son. And so God had this plan, and, and he was unfolding uh, his plan throughout history. And when he saw fit in the, the timeline of human history for Jesus to come, Jesus came to the earth. But at the center of Jesus, uh, the center of God's plan is the con- the concept of substitution. The concept of really substitutionary atonement. We see here in this passage it's coming to the end of Jesus's life and God's plan for him to go to the cross is about to happen. But we see an interesting point here. Caiaphas is the high priest at this time. Um, and the Bible tells us that he, uh, everybody's upset. They're trying to figure out what are we going to do about Jesus. I love the point where he says if he keeps doing these miracles, what do they say? All men are going to, are going to believe. Do You know, there is a day when everyone will understand that Jesus Christ is the son of God and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is God and that he is the Savior. That is going to come to fruition. And they were concerned. Like, listen, people are seeing what Jesus is doing. And if he keeps doing these miracles, then everybody's going to believe. But not only is everybody going to believe, but we're going to have issues with the Roman government. He says, so he says, so that we can protect our nation and so we can protect ourselves one man is going to have to die. Now, don't miss this point. What does the Bible say? It says Caiaphas doesn't make this point. He sa- it says he prophesied. Really, Caiaphas is God's quote-unquote religious leader of that time. And so through him, God speaks to the people and says one man needs to die. And so Caiaphas is giving the words that God wants him to say. And really the picture here is that Jesus is going to be the substitutionary atonement uh, in God's plan. Now Caiaphas thinks he's going to die. We're all going to be protected politically from the Romans. But God's plan is Jesus is going to die and he's going to offer forgiveness of sin um, to the world. And so my friend, understand today in God's plan, Jesus Christ died for your sin. The Bible tells us all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's nothing that we can do to make ourselves right with God. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's the same thing that John tells us in John chapter 20 when he says, listen, I'm showing you these miracles and I'm showing you Jesus Christ so that you might know that he is the Christ. He is the son of the living God and that you might believe and believing have life. 
the Bible is very clear that in our sins, we are all dead. We're dead in our trespasses and sins, Paul writes there in Ephesians. But through Jesus Christ, we can be made alive if we believe on him, if we receive the forgiveness of sin. And really, substitutionary atonement is at the, is at the, the, the center of, of Christianity. And really, all that means is Christ died in my place because of my sin some punishment had to take place, and Jesus Christ took that punishment. Praise the Lord for that. We see God's plans unfolding, and so Jesus then died for the world. God had told Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12 that through you, all the nations will be blessed. You see, it was through Abraham that David's line would come. And it's through Abraham that um, Jesus would ultimately come through the line of David. And, and so Jesus would come and die for the sins of the whole world. Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And so we see over and over in Scripture that Jesus wasn't going to just die for the nation of Israel. But he was dying for the sins of the world. And he died for your sin and for my sin. That, that's God's plan. That's God's plan. And so that's why we have missionaries. And that's why we have Missions Emphasis Sunday. That's why we go out on highways and hedges. That's why we preach the gospel in our church. That's why we have a Christian school. And, and that's why we do uh, marriage retreats. And that's why we go to senior adult retreats. And that's why we do all of these things. Because Jesus died for the sins of the world. And he told us to go. Go and take the gospel to every creature. Go and preach the gospel to everyone that you can. That's God's plan, and it's still unfolding. So Jesus came, we sinned, and Jesus came and died for our sins, and when we turn from our sin, receive Jesus Christ by faith, then we go out and we, we serve him. God's plan is that now, okay, I'm a Christian, I'm going to sit in the chairs and hear the great music and hear the okay message and then go home and, and be done with it. That's not God's plan. God's plan is that we would hear the music, we would be saved, and we would worship him through praise and, and through our music, and we would hear the preaching of the gospel, and we would take that message to the world around us. So God's plan is still unfolding today. Then number two, I want you to see our response. So here's God's plan, and then so the question is, what is our response? All throughout the Gospel of John, you see miracles, and then you see people respond to these miracles. Even in this little section, you see Lazarus was dead, Jesus rose him, uh, raised him excuse me, from the grave, and then these verses show us the response of all of those that either seen or heard about what Jesus did. We see this information unfolding and these different responses. But you know, it's interesting, even this most powerful miracle failed to convince many people that Jesus was the, the Son of God. It tells us here that many that were there with Mary consoling her believed, but other observers of these miracles went to the Pharisees, and this really contrasted the belief from the disbelief. But then also the raising of Lazarus convinced these Israel leaders that they had to take more drastic action against Jesus. And, and John records this, these conversations. And it's interesting. They, they gather together, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the, the, the council of that day. And, and they're like, okay, what are we going to do about, about this problem, about this, this Jesus that has, has come on, on the scene? And so they say, okay, the only thing that we can do is we can, we can kill him. And so we see really three responses 
to the death of and the raising of Lazarus. Number one, some believed. Some believed that Jesus was who he said he was. And we've seen this all along the way with every miracle of Jesus. And throughout history, we see here the preaching of the gospel. And, and guess what? Some believe. And some believe. You say, listen, it's just people don't care today. People don't care. They don't want church. They don't want Christianity. They don't, they don't. Why are you doing what you do? Why, why do you, why, is it fruitful to go door to door and pass out invitations to the church or go door to door and share the gospel? Is it helpful to have a harvest family night? Is it helpful to spend all this money and, and put all this time and all these resources? And I say gladly, yes. Why? Because some believe. Some believe. Listen, if we go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars and thousands of thousands of hours um, sharing the gospel and reaching the world and one believe, guess what? It's worth it. Every time you see Jesus working, praise the Lord, some believe. We go through service after service, year after year, ministry after ministry, and guess what? We had four baptized today. Praise the Lord. Some believe. And that, that is the reaction. And it's really the question is today, then, where are you? Do you believe? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Number two, then we see some follow the crowds. There were those that gathered together and said, listen, we're going to go and we're going to tell the Pharisees. And so they go together and they, they go and tell the Pharisees. You even see this crowd interacting in verse 56. They sought for Jesus and spake among themselves. There were those that were in Jerusalem and they were in the Passover. And, and you can see these little groups and these cliques getting together, gossiping, do you, do you think he's going to come? Do you think he's going to come? You know, it's like, um, I remember when I was in school and you'd hear rumors about a fight. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in public school most of my life and you'd hear these rumors and, and about these fights and it's, where's it going to be? Where's it going to be? And, and it's going to be on the playground or it's going to be in the bathroom. And the next thing you know, you go to the playground after school when it's supposed to happen and, and there's crowds everywhere. I mean, they're everywhere waiting and they can't wait for two people to pummel themselves and beat each other up. And, and it's like, we're sick in our human nature. All right. That's what we want to see. And it's like crazy. And that's kind of the picture here. Like, they're like, is he going to come? Are the Pharisees going to get him? Are, are they, is, is it going to happen? And we're looking for this, this tragedy to happen in our, in our sinfulness. And we kind of see the crowds following each other, following the others. And it, maybe there were some in the crowd that said, you know what? It's not right what they're doing to Jesus. But I'm not going to stand up. I'm not going to stick my neck out on for him. I don't know if that's true or not. But that's a lot of times how people act in our world today. We're concerned more about the crowds than we are about Jesus. We're, com we're concerned more about what the crowds and society thinks about us than we are about what God thinks about us. And then we see some here sought selfish gain. Kai, they came to him and said, the, the Romans are going to come attack us. It's all about my position and my, my power is what they were talking about here in this passage. It says, if we let... In verse 548, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans shall come and take away, notice this, both our place and our nation. So they were concerned about their position in society, their power and their, you know, their prestige, their prominence, their money. They were concerned about, you know, their status in life. And, and if the Romans come against us, then what's, what's going to happen to us? You know, many people in our society today do the very same thing. We're concerned about ourself. And some people seek selfish gain. You know, that's why there's a lot of false teachers in our world today. They don't preach the gospel because people don't like to be told they're sinners. You don't like me to tell you every week how terrible you are. I kind of enjoy it, but you don't like it. <laughs> Nobody likes to be told how bad they are. 
The crowds don't flock when you tell them they're sinful and, and there's nothing they can do about their own salvation and how they, they can only come to Jesus Christ to have their sins forgiven and that they're eventually without Christ going to die and go to hell. Nobody likes that message. It's easier to stand up and smile and tell everybody how wonderful they are and make them feel good about themselves and, and be motivational in their speaking and, and send them on their way because you know what? People will give and, and people will show back up and people will pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. But nobody likes to be told and have their sin pointed out, whether it's publicly or privately. And so it's all about selfish gain. And we see that happening over and over again. Our brother, when he was talking about, you know, in South Africa, prosperity gospel and the different religions that are out there that they're, they're going to have to deal with that we deal with in our culture today. Why are they there? Because people are selfish and they look for every opportunity to, to focus on their own gain. And, you know, people will throw their their mothers and their grandmothers under the bus at times for gain, for, for selfishness. Now, the truth is, is some believe and some are going to follow the crowds and some are just going to be selfish. I, I understand that. It's, it's the way it's always been and until Jesus comes back, it's always, it's always going to be that way. But let's bring this home now as we finish up. Every week, every time you gather here at church, you're presented with truth. I, I, I believe that wholeheartedly. We focus on preaching the Bible, not my opinions, not our opinions. Not, we, we, we want to preach the Bible. And so every week, you're presented with truth. And so when you're presented with truth, how do you react to that truth? Well, some believe it. Some say, okay, this is what the Bible says. Even sitting in here, someone said, this is what the Bible says, and so that's what I'm going to apply to my life. That's what I'm going to follow. Some will follow the crowd. Well, my friends don't think that way. My social media peeps, they don't think that way. You know, the blogger that I follow, they have a different perspective than what the Bible teaches or what the pastor's saying. And so I'm just going to follow the crowd. And, and we follow, unfortunately, even the secular world around us. You know, I believe wholeheartedly most Christians would listen to a famous basketball player than they would me, even though I'm preaching the gospel and, preaching, and show them in the Bible. But those are wealthy people. Those are people that are celebrities, we say, and the world follows them. That's why it's so sad when you hear these athletes and musicians and all that give their political opinions, and, and the world just follows them like they know what they're talking about. What about the church? Do we follow the crowd? Even in the church. Well, let's say like, you know, some people in the church don't agree with what, what you're saying or what the Bible says. Are we going to follow them because, well, you know, they're in the church and so therefore they must be right. Hey, listen, it's not about what the church teaches, it's about what the Bible says. And so many people want to follow the crowds. And yet you can find church, people will leave the churches that preach, the, pe preach Bible doctrine and they'll go to a church, you know, that preaches a false gospel and doesn't preach anything standards or the Bible or anything like that because they're comfortable in that church and their flesh. And they don't, they like this program or that program. And we, and we, we just go and follow the crowds. And some people are more concerned about, about their self. My, my favorite line in Christianity today is, well, I have Christian liberty. Well, I'm free to do whatever I want. Listen, you know that is so much heresy in that statement. The Bible says we're free in Jesus to live for Jesus. We're free in Jesus to follow Jesus. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not here to, to 
preach legalism, and if you know me at all, you know I'm very far from that. And uh, I have standards, and we, you know, have standards in our home, and, and I don't preach our standards on you. I, I try to live out what God wants me to live as a pastor and preach the Bible as we go through the Bible, and that's why we go expositionally through books, so you can't yell at me for picking topics. I can just go through and, and preach what the Bible says. But listen, too many Christians today are running around, listen, I'm going to live Christianity the way that I want to live it. And listen, that, that's, a, that's not how God called us. God called us to live Christianity the way he wants us to live it, and according to his word. And that's why it's important that we preach the Bible. That's why it's important that you study the Bible personally, and you know what the scriptures have, and then you apply it. Hey, listen, there are some people in my life, I'd love to just grab them and smack them and say, what are you doing? You need to di- live this way and live that way and follow thi- this. But listen, that, I'm not the Holy Spirit in your life. I truly believe that the Holy Spirit uses the word of God in your life to help you understand how God wants you to live. But listen, your friends don't know more than the Bible. And your social media groups don't know more than the Bible. And we shouldn't be living off of the standards of society. We should be following the truths of Scripture. What is your response when you're presented with truth, whether it's in your daily devotions, as you study the Bible, maybe it's a podcast of a a biblical preacher that you listen to and you're presented with truth, or even here in our Sunday schools or or our equipped classes or our church services, what, what, what is your response to the truth? I hope simply that your response is always to believe. Listen, this is what God said. Let's, let's put away the noise and put away the crowds and put away the, the opinions of people and say, listen, this is what God says, so this is what I'm going to do in my life. God has a plan, and he's made that plan very clear in Scripture. How are we going to respond? And we see all throughout Jesus' ministry, all throughout church history, and it's going to go forward. Some will believe. Will that be you? Some will follow the crowd. So many do. And some will just be selfish and be looking out for number one. What camp do you follow in? Hey, I believe God's plan was for Jesus to go and pay for my sin on the cross. His plan was for me to follow him in believer's baptism, and I did it in 1995. His plan has been for me to to grow and be discipled and to become more like Jesus Christ and then to live my life to glorify him and reach people with the gospel. That's God's plan for my life, and that's how I want to live. Do you believe that is God's plan for you. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, I pray that we would, Lord, understand your plan. And Lord, we would believe it. Lord, for salvation and also for sanctification, for our discipleship. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us today. Help us today to believe your word, believe your truth.